Hola, soy Chicharango. Suscríbete a One Ten Football. Hey, Philly. Thanks for filling in for Max today. Yeah, what happened to him again? You know what? He claims his flight was canceled and now he's stuck in Miami, which is a likely Max Preto story. He probably just doesn't want to do this Memorial Day show. Hey, his loss, my game. There's nothing more that I want to do than to recap a huge win over the Smurfs for an international break. Well, at least you're fired up. And we really do have so much to talk about, too. Well, let's go then. Grab a drink or something from the grill. Join us for LFC 360. It starts right now. Hello and welcome. You do not have to adjust your screen. I am in full vacation mode, but I'm here for this Memorial Day edition of LFC, LFC 360. We're excited you're joining us today. It's been a very busy May, but it's behind us. The international break starts now. There are a lot of questions and answers as we move into June, and here to answer them with me is a great cast. Thank you for joining us on the holiday. Jessica Black, who's pulling double duty. She'll do this show and then come back to do the hit show, Angels Wear Boots. So she's really putting in a shift on a holiday. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, as he finishes his drink, Philly in that suit. Uh, people in the chat are already asking if you got that from a La Rosa Pants Co. I, I feel like this is Philly, Philly warehouse, Philly suit warehouse. What I mean, that could be another really good business. I'm feeling yeah. proud in my shrouds, and I'm enjoying my suds, hanging out with my buds. This is going to be a glorious Memorial Day uh, weekend, and it's going to be a glorious 110 football show. 360, baby. LFC 360. We're together again. Does the rhyming stop after this, or are you going to go all, all I mean, that's my shtick. I'm feeling very colorful, very saucy, and very happy for a yeah. change. Okay. okay. All right. I like it. All right. So, don't forget, guys, click on that subscribe button. And smash, smash that thumbs up like to like this video. We got to feed the YouTube algorithms. Oh, and by the way, we're going to reveal the winner of players to watch from San Jose game later on in the show. So stay tuned for that. Spoiler alert, I didn't win. I never win. Philemon Fitz. Yep. Oh, Philemon Fitz. <laughs> I mean, name. that could also be kind of like a rants uh, yeah. section in a podcast right there. Philemon and uh, Impulsive like Josie is asking where Connor is. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Go find him. Yeah, go find him. <laughs> uh, all right, let's it's get down. almost as elusive as Carmen San Diego yeah. is. But before then, why don't we just do this show? So let's get down to business and dive into all the storylines from the weekend in hashtag what's trending. No, nothing. Bam, bam, bam. All right. <laughs> we have to start where the loss of the galaxy ends and the San Jose match begins, and that's with the 32-52 opting to stay quiet for the first 12 minutes of the game in protest of the result in the Open Cup last Wednesday. Before we tell you our thoughts, let's hear what Steve Trundle had to, had to tell the media after the match on Saturday. Look, in my experience, it's uh, frustration um, with the performance and result. I get We're frustrated, too. It's not like any of us woke up and said, ah, don't worry about it. It's another game. Um, and to turn that frustration into something constructive like we did tonight um, is a lot of hard work and um, shows mental strength. Um, and gut that this team has. And um, we know how important the fans are here in L.A. And, of course, you can hear when they're not there. And you, you heard the minute they were uh, there again. I, I understand their reaction. Um, not a problem. 
Um, but I will say this, I think we're better together. And uh, hopefully we don't have to repeat that anymore because um, with them there and our players feeding off of that, you ask any other player who comes who's played here, it's a very difficult place to come and play and win and, and to compete um, because of the fans and the energy our players feed off of. There's Steve Trundolo being very diplomatic after the match in a, in a topic that we've already seen in the chat. People are divided. People are talking about it, so we're going to dive into it. I want to see, hear what you two thought. Did you were you pro chat, pro protest, or are you against it? How did you feel? Well, what I'll say is that being inside the stadium, it was definitely impactful. You know, the 3252 is such a big part of LAFC. So when you come to the Bank of California, you instantly know that you're going to hear them doing a lot of chanting and cheering and singing. And so it was so quiet and you just were looking around and everybody was asking questions. What's what's going on? Mm -hmm. And finding out that it was, you know, about something about the Galaxy game and not feeling like the players gave their all or they weren't getting the best possible, um, I guess, they weren't getting the LAFC that they felt like they should get. I understood that and you know the Galaxy game was very disappointing I think for all of us I don't think anybody you know was sitting there thinking that this was okay and I definitely don't think the players were thinking that and I think that's what Steve ultimately was trying to say is that a lot of times as fans like oh our whole thing is like we just react you know and when you lose so many big games especially to your rivals you're frustrated but don't think for a second that the players are not frustrated as well. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're looking at these players, especially with the, the May that they've had, they're running on fumes, they're bandaged up, you know, they're playing to the extremities physically and mentally. And when you watch players like Latif Blessing and some other players at the end of the San Jose game, they crumble to the ground. Like these guys are just, they're at the end of what they can give. And so games against your rivals, they can be disappointing, but I wouldn't assume that that means that they're not giving their all. I mean. Mm -hmm all players want to do is is give back to the fans and so even though the protest i think was impactful and it made sense on paper i don't necessarily feel like maybe it was the right way to go about things because the team needs the 3252 and the fans behind them and i almost feel like it might have been a little bit counterproductive yeah but you know um i get where their frustration was coming from because we all felt down after the galaxy game well here, here are the facts LAFC is in first place. Yeah. Uh, they are top of the supporter shield going into international break. Uh, they did crash out of the Open Cup pretty poorly, though. Right. They have never won at Dignity Health Sports Park. And to your point, that protest was powerful. You noticed immediately how quiet it was in there. I was even in the press box when Chicho was taking his penalty. I could hear the San Jose player trying to trash talk him, which, by the way, San Jose player that was doing that, you're doing it in English, and Chicho's English is... So, so, so he probably didn't care for what you were saying at all. But th that was how quiet it was in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, here, here's my take. And a lot of people ask the question, why 12 minutes? 32.52, other than the, sec uh, the amount of people that are held in the north end, 3 plus 2 plus 5 plus 2 equals 12. 12 meaning 12th man. 32.52 being that the 12th man. They express their opinion. It, it goes beyond the performance of just that U.S. Open Cup game against the Galaxy. It's performance overall against teams in big games, as well as like the performance that we have against, against the Galaxy. I get it. I see the fronts. I see the, uh, the, the interesting thing uh, and the arguments on all ends. But to me, I'm looking at it from a glass half full perspective. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. We're celebrating Memorial Day right now because we had soldiers that went out there and did their thing, giving us the ability to have the freedom to have these discussions right now. So to me, it was very powerful. You heard eerie silence in Bank of California Stadium. I want to tip my hat off to the 20 
uh, fans of San Jose, all the season ticket holders at PayPal Park for making the journey down south. We certainly appreciate you. We certainly heard you. They, LAFC ends up scoring right off the bat within six minutes. And then what, 25, 26 seconds later, after the 32-52 went into Dolly Dolly Black and Gold, we had Rowling, Ryan Hollingshead coming and scoring his fourth goal of the MLS season. I think it was very powerful. I agree. What Steve said, together, we are better. The 32-52 is the heart and soul of this club, and Bank of California Stadium is the fortress that it is, an intimidating place to be because of what the North End does. Yeah, Steve's in a tough place, right? Because he speaks, he has to stay close to the fans, he has to stay close to the players, so he has to really navigate a tough, tough waters there for him. I mean, for me, personally, look, it was a choice. They made a choice, the 3252 of a, as a collective body made a choice, and a protest without people being against it on the other side is not a protest to me. Like, if you protest and everyone claps for you, that's not a protest. You have to have some kind of push and pull there. So they made a choice. For me personally, I, I would not have been the timing I would have. I think it lends too much credence to Galaxy matches, although I know they're important. I just, you're so fixated on it. I feel like you're just hanging a noose even more and more on, on people pinging a heavy rock on them. And I, I don't like that. But I will say this, I'm not a member of 3252. So it's not my choice. Uh, if you are one of those people that are saying, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that, then join the 3252 and have your voice heard. They did it as a collective body. It was powerful in that way. And I, I, the last thing I want to say about it is this. It was peaceful. Yeah. It was peaceful and powerful. And I'll take those two things more so every day over what I heard happened after that Galaxy match, which was a select few people deciding that they wanted to confront players in person. That cannot happen. We cannot have that. So if this is what they want to put their time and energy into instead, I'll take that all day long over what could be the alternative and what we've seen in actually other countries across the world when similar would, type of things happen. So we can't have to, that. I was just about to um, say that that fan culture is under the microscope right now. If you've been paying attention to anything that's going on in Europe and in particular in France, there's fans that think it's okay at the end of games to come onto the field and, you know, throw... Um, fiery objects into the faces of players, you know, things like that to make their their um, thoughts known in that way. And so I think what Vince is saying about it being peaceful is very important because nobody got hurt, you know, nobody was physically harmed. So that's, that's really good. And I think that that's the best way to do things if you want to get your voice out there. I would just say that like, even in the chat, we, there's, there's definitely a divide there because people feel like the team never really St um, stood up in that Galaxy game. If they were all fully fit and Carlos Vela didn't go off the pitch and Cheeky Palacios didn't get knocked on the back of his neck, like, I, I guess I could understand it more, but these boys are bandaged up. I'm telling you, wasn't Latif Blessing in a boot the other day it and was. still came out and played a game? So I would just say, like, maybe not think that the players are not trying, but maybe they just can't perform to the best of their ability at the moment. The mentality aspect of being able to beat your rivals, that's something that can be spoken about, but you have to cheer for the team in bad times as well as good. Yeah. That's what supporters do. And so that, that's kind of, you know, my take on it. But the 32-52, we need you guys. I mean, we're in a unique situation in which we have the ability to talk to people such as Steve Chirondolo and have access to the players. We don't get that as Dodger fans, or in my case, Mets fans. We don't get that as Lakers fans. We have the ability to communicate and express our desires. But it goes beyond wins and losses. Wins and losses are exceptionally important. But I think the argument is, it's when you have a team that didn't have really any shots on goal, that's where people question the heart. There's no way to equate wait, somebody's, wait. hold on, mentality and heart when it comes into 
how they play. But obviously, when you're up against your biggest rivals, and it goes beyond the world of MLS. It goes beyond the world of LAFC and Galaxy. We talk college football, Auburn versus Alabama, Michigan versus Ohio State, college basketball, Duke versus UNC, uh, baseball, Red Sox versus Yankees, uh, football, Packers versus Bears. Beating your rival is very important. I get everybody's argument on all fronts, without a doubt. I don't like the ability to confront the players and and, kind of like say these nasty things, but... The reason why L.A. has some of the best fans in the world, and yes, I'm saying this from the eyes of a New Yorker, is because when good times are there, we're there behind our team, regardless of how we express our opinion. It's not a matter of, oh, we're giving up on this team. Oh, we're not standing up for things in a certain light. It's like we care. We really care. And it's okay to worry. It's okay to express your opinions because it really does show you care. Um, How it's conducted, obviously, it could be done in, in several different ways. But the players responded. And I think we're all going into this Memorial Day weekend happy because the players took that message. The players took the silence to heart and they performed, which at the end of the day is really what we want in the city of champions. Two things. There's no metric for heart. And that's what drives me crazy. This whole idea, like you're like, there's no shot, so that's maybe heart. And I'm not just raging into you. I've done this. Everybody that always tells me, oh, they didn't play with enough heart. Every time a team loses, I hear like they just didn't have the passion. And maybe that is true in some instances, but you cannot watch that from the outside and know. You really cannot. And honestly, the reason why it makes me so hot more times, more times than not is it's actually a metric that most people use to, to defend the players that they like and to, to really get against the players they don't like. And it actually gets more nefarious in a lot of instances. It becomes uh, a racial issue on, on some topics in some ways. So that's why anytime someone talks about heart and passion, it really bothers me. And, and if you think about it from the flip side, if, if they're saying, well, we always bring it, you guys didn't, could there ever be a time then, if, if that's the way the conversation goes and it's a two-way conversation, shouldn't the players at one point ever, ever be able to be like, well, I just didn't think, yeah, you guys were cheering today, but it just wasn't good enough. Because the players out there were, in fact, playing football, right? But they yeah. just weren't good enough. So is it, can a player then turn to a fan and go, well, you, the pa- I didn't feel the passion there. You're banging the drum, but I didn't feel the no, passion. No, they, they very well can. But the thing is, like, I really believe that we're always going to win in the stands because I, I don't – I doubt the 32-52 won't ever bring it. The thing I will say, and we can still have the conversation about this, the most important factor about it is regardless of how our opinions are, divided, whatever the case may be, we're still on the same side. And the most important thing to me is message received, message message achieved. LAFC won in a game that a season or two ago, I don't think they would have won. San Jose, what, has only won one game at Bank of California Stadium, a come-from-behind win. I think it was very important. The statement was well-received, and the team won. And at the end of the day, to me, that's the only thing that matters is those three points. Well, the one thing that I will say is when I sit up late at night thinking about why LAFC cannot beat the Galaxy, what I come back to is the fact that LAFC is still a new, newish club. You know, and I think when you look at the, a team like the Galaxy, why do we always talk about how they're so efficient in front of goal and when they have one chance, they bury it, especially in big games? It's because they have the muscle memory to do so. And I think that, that that is important when you're talking about sport, is that some teams know how to put it away. Some teams know how to win the big games because they've been there and done it before and the prestige is there in the club. We are new. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that LAFC has to build over time. How do they get over that mental block? I don't know. but. LAFC does not really have that history of winning big when it counts and never take it for granted. It's the reason why Real Madrid could be basically, mm-hmm. you know, a ran down version of their best selves and still come out and win the Champions League is because they have the heritage. Yeah. You know what I mean? So LAFC has to build that up. We're still a pri- like a very new club and I get that it sucks to lose to your rivals, but 
we're top of the table. You know, yeah. the totality of the season has got to come into play and we can't just write off the team because they, they lost a game that really hurts us emotionally. Yeah, and I just want to touch on something real quick that Andreas brought up in the chat. And Andreas, you're always here for us, and I love that. But the one thing you said about the eye test is the whole reason why I'm, I'm so adamant against that, because your eye test versus my eye test versus Steve Terundolo's eye test versus Scout's eye test, it's so different. It varies so differently. And I, I, honestly, I've, I've seen this throughout many teams that I've covered. In a lot of instances, the eye test is done by, by people that are using tinted glasses for players that they like and players mm -hmm. that they don't like. So... While I agree with you, yes, there's sometimes you can look at a team and maybe say, I don't feel like they're trying as hard. I would honestly tell anyone to try to fight against that because they're professional athletes and there's just there's no way of telling one how injured they are, how fit they are, what they're what's going on in their lives, just like they wouldn't be able to tell that of you a supporter. So that's why the eye test, I would rather if there was a metric that we could use to measure passion, I would much rather have that because then at least it's a, a blind metric and it doesn't take into account whether you like this guy because he wears your favorite number or whatever position he plays. So that's just, that's my uh, spiel on passion when it comes to the eye test. All right, so we'll move on from that um, and talk a little bit more about the game um, specifically and what happened against San Jose. So LAFC got two early goals, something we haven't really seen that much of this season. And so I guess just opening it up to you, Vince, do you think that we did something different or did we just put our chances away? No, it came out hot. I mean, we come out hot in a lot of games, honestly, but maybe we come out too hot. Uh, I think the, the the pace and the power was there in the buildup, but I don't know. Maybe it was just dialing it back a little yeah. bit when they got into the into the opponent's box. Because uh, you and I said this after the Galaxy game. The biggest thing that LAFC did poorly in that game was they were poor in both boxes. Mm -hmm. right. Poor in their own box, and then obviously poor going forward in the Galaxy's box, which goes to your no shots comment. But like, we're used to seeing games where they come out hot and they're just like blazing it over or doing things, and here there was, there was a real composure. I mean, composure, uh, smart of Ryan Hollingshead to kind of nip in there, win that penalty. Obviously, finishing a penalty takes composure. Uh, and then Brian Rodriguez, he gets into a dangerous area and doesn't freak out. He kind of, I love the little soul roll uh, <laughs> of his foot to get out of trouble, find the open man, and then Ryan Hollingshead, he just, he had that little extra bit of sharpness, because that's not an easy shot to make, right. to pull it to his left boot, which isn't his uh, preferred foot. Um, and angle it into the corner. That was just a little bit of difference. And that's where, this is where I can understand when fans get so frustrated when they watch their team. Because honestly, the only explanation for that is a little bit of sharpness. That's why football is so crazy. That's why it drives us all mad. It was just a little bit of sharpness. I think it was so important to have that very first goal coming in. I mean, obviously, we had the conversations about them not starting off hot, but it's, obviously, it helps. No, but, but I mean, it, it, you know, we were talking about how, you know, maybe the protests can be bad, especially in terms of just one game, how much pressure, added pressure you're putting on players that already have pressure. But with them being silent and then they get that goal, it's like, <sighs> well, well, the funny thing is, like, you look at the North End and there was like one or two beer showers. I guess old habits die hard. But muscle that, memory, like just <laughs> said. Memory. But that was crazy enough. That was the first goal that we, the opening goal that we've had since May 1st against the Union. We're talking uh, a while right now. 27 days. Yeah, 27 days in the world of, you know, a, what, a four, five, six month season is a lot. But, you know, we, we have to credit uh, Cifuentes, you know, passing to Latif. He got in there. Jan Gregush getting the foul. Chicho Arango, we could question whether or not we loved his approach on that PK. But that was a big thing. Chicho oh, coming in, taking the team on his shoulders. I said this during the pregame that this is his team. He was last season's leading scorer. That was excellent. And then again, what, 25, 26 seconds after the North End goes into Dolly Dolly, we have Brian, yes, Brian, Scarf, 
I'm still waiting on that song. And the millions and millions are waiting on it, too. I see He's a teacher. Chat, He's off today, so he must. He's in the chat. I, lo I love you, Scarf. I miss your brother. But Brian getting the assist to Ryan Holling said him maintaining the composure. Last season, he was doing these interesting things where he would dribble himself into trouble. This season, he's finding himself out of trouble but passing to people who are in trouble. He maintained his composure. He found Ryan Holling said, and to your point, he worked hard, managed to punch in his fourth goal of the MLS season, his fifth goal overall as a member of LAFC. And it feels really good to be up 2-0 right now. And when the 32-52 win in a Dolly Dolly black and gold, my arm hairs rose, man. Like, it was deafening. It was electric. And we stopped hearing those 20 San Jose Ultras, which for me was a sigh of relief. <laughs> Well, a couple of things. I do think that I'll disagree with you just a little bit. You Fair said enough. that you said that Chicho, this was his team and he needed to step up. I think this is Brian Rodriguez's team. Okay. I think that he's the one that really set the tone for the game with his play. And we've been looking for it for a long time with him. We all kind of know that. And um, I want to give the team credit where we've been really critical of them because they haven't been able to step up in big games. They changed their formation. They played in a 3-5-2, which is difficult to switch from one thing to another, mm -hmm. just from game to game. And I thought the right-hand side looked really good, especially in attack. Brian Rodriguez and Kellen Acosta, they were getting up on that side. Latif Blessing, he really stepped up in this game. So for me, it's just getting those two early goals I think took kind of the the pressure off a little bit maybe that's why we um maybe give up a couple goals a couple mm -hmm. minutes later but I think um you know that that quick start was a was a good indication of the team's um intention mm -hmm. and um, ultimately we got the three points to show for it yeah Ryan Hollings had said it after the match it was three points or nothing like yep. we just needed three points any way, any fashion. And yes, they changed the formation around, but a lot of the principles were the same. Mm. I, I saw a team that I, it was very similar, in the, at least in the way they go forward. I don't think the formation changed the way they go forward per se. Um, it maybe it helped them build, I guess, if you have Kellen more as a wing back than a fullback, maybe that, maybe that's where the change came. But uh, I do think that the formation, not as much played into it as just the sheer uh, intent and willingness, like we're getting three points no matter what. And like I said, they then you just add sprinkle a little bit of sharpness on top, and that's what you get. It was fun seeing Brian do his thing. It was fun Chicho doing his thing. And, you know, they had plenty of opportunities to continue to do their things. But if we're going to quote physics, every action causes an equal, if not bigger, reaction. And, unfortunately, San Jose reacted. They get two quick goals within the half off what we would say is LAFC mistakes. We had Jeremy Abobasi, the one – San Jose's got a couple of players that can really do their thing. Jeremy Abobasi, not only is he a thorn on our side as a member of the San Jose Earthquakes, he was a thorn on, on our side as a member of the Portland Timbers. Christian Espinosa, four goals, four assists coming in the season. Jan Gregush, five assists. I mean, they have players that can score. Like we said earlier on, they're the third highest scoring team in the Western Conference. The first goal, unfortunately... Pancho Janela gets absolutely punked or stripped, however you want to refer to it, by Montero. He ends up finding Jeremy Obobese, first goal of the game. All right, wind out, out of our sails three minutes after we end up going up 2-0. 2-0 being what? The most dangerous scoring line in the world of soccer. But then another mistake uh, that occurs not that much longer later. Off of a set piece, corner kick, Christian Espinosa connects with 
Jeremy Abobasi, <laughs> again. He gets maybe mark that guy. Yeah, maybe <laughs> mark that guy, and that's the problem. He could have driven a Mack truck through the goal past Maxime Crepeau. We, we can't have these mistakes. It's great to go up 2-0, but just like that, we gave up those two goal, that two-goal lead as a result of nothing but mental lapses and mistakes. Pancho being punked, nobody marking Abobasi. What are y'all th- what, what are y'all thoughts on that? Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts pa- on that? Poncho. As you can see, I'm getting Pon- ready for Do you, Okay, you want to go in the uh, Let's poncho? do Poncho. Let's, let's break down go Poncho because I see that Joseph is in the chat and he actually sent me the, the video of Poncho and I agreed with him wholeheartedly. And I've told people this. I, I like Poncho. I like what he can do passing. He's got some quality on the ball. Uh, but in too many instances when it, the game gets tight or the game gets physical or guys can get close to him and touch him, he, he is not up to snuff athletically. And then the bigger thing, and I, I, you'll touch on this more, is the scanning. You got to know the picture behind you because honestly, if I'm watching that play again, he takes that on his back foot, turns and plays upfield. And actually we're out. And maybe it's a mini transition opportunity because they had a lot right. of people forward. So Poncho is not of the level athletically where he cannot be cerebral in his game. And that's a big problem. Yeah, with with Poncho, when you're a player that lacks athleticism and you can't really get away from your man, you have to be scanning constantly. And, you know, I know you know this player probably pretty well. His name is Jorginho. He plays for Chelsea. Like, this is a player who has no athletic athleticism whatsoever, but he's one of the best deep-line playmakers. And I see some parallels between the two of them because for me Pancho Janela has some crazy passing ability like his ability to ping a ball is is excellent but if he doesn't have that extra second he gets caught yeah and that's where you kind of get oh get that little bit of a heart attack like oh Pancho, oh if he just scans a little bit more and knows what the picture is then we can get out of trouble and so he was definitely an issue I think in, in regards to us kind of losing um, our lead but I also think the left hand side where Mama Dufal and Hollingshead were Maybe not communicating. I'm not quite sure what the breakdown was on that side. Maybe Poncho or Latif were supposed to be pinching over. But Mamadou Fall had two people on him every single time they went forward. And they had an easy outlet into that um, that channel in behind Fall. And they either got a, a cross in, a very easy cross in, or they hit it off of one of our defenders and got a, a, a corner. And so for me, it's a little bit of a breakdown on that left-hand side mixed with maybe a little bit of the Janellas, you know, just all kind of mixed together. But let's keep it 100. <laughs> San Jose could have had four goals in that first half. And, and, and you're not wrong. We go into the half very, very lucky because we talked about the two goals that LAFC conceded. But in the 24th minute, a play that one of the greatest defensive plays I feel like we've ever seen on LAFC. And to quote Chris Jericho, I will never ever talk negatively about this defender because of this play, Sebastian Ibiaga. People will say he's not a starter. At best, he's a, he's a 65th minute sub with veteran experience. But the play that he made on Jeremy Abobasi in the 24th minute to, Brent, to prevent him from getting his brace right there, I feel is ultimately what led us to staying in this game and not absolutely losing it. Jeremy Abobasi had the opportunity to have a hat trick. Obviously, six or so minutes after Ibiaga made that play, he ends up finding the back of the net again, but he could have had three. Sebastian Ibiaga made his best play as a member of LAFC and arguably, in my opinion, the most important play of the game. Well, so as normally happens, they get to halftime. And actually, Steve's been very good at this this year. The adjustments he makes at halftime to change the team up. And they locked it down the second half. I thought the second half, uh, in terms of the tactical view and watching the two teams try to do different things, was very interesting. Because for me, what, what was individual mistakes did result in goals. But the bigger thing was wave after wave of San Jose attack was coming through. And they were just playing... Three up top against our three center backs playing high and wide, and they're just they're literally spreading out our center backs. And to your point about Hollingshead, 
Those wingbacks were kind of MIA at times, whether they were too far up the field or it was a bad turnover like Poncho's. Uh, they were MIA. And then, so when you have center backs, and, and here's just for people that are wondering how formations matter, here's kind of a truism about three center backs. If you have three center backs and they're playing in a line, and there's a space of more than 10 yards between those center backs, you have zero center backs, actually. You have a <laughs> sit. Um, and that's kind of what was happening in that first half. But I thought that Steve made a really good adjustment and said, I, either he said directly to his wingbacks or the wingbacks just figured it out and said, guys, I need you to help out a little bit more. Make it more of a five so that my three center backs are more here and not covering out those wings so much. And that's what I saw change. But what did you guys see was the major difference in that second half? I just saw that we we just stopped at the... I don't think Kellen was really going too far up, but I think Hollingshead was, and I don't think he's necessarily a, a great two-way player. He does get into the box to score, but in terms of, like, once he's up the pitch, like, he's up the pitch, and that's pretty much it. In the second half, he was a lot closer to Mamadou Falls, so they didn't have that initial outlet out there on our left and their right. So, for me, that was, like, the main difference between the first and the second half, and the fact that the boys just worked extremely hard. Like, I saw guys crumbling at the end of the game like they gave 110 percent to get those three points so mm -hmm. i think that was kind of what happened i don't know if that was steven force change or maybe that was what they were supposed to be doing from minute one but that's what changed and it helped us y'all are the x's and o's people on this show i'm not even going to begin to like compare my no knowledge. tell me about the some three of the most brilliant the three man midfield rotations and all that stuff <laughs> i know you some got some your notes brilliant minds in football that i've had the opportunity to work with and i've been doing podcasts and calling games for a little while right now i'm not going to base like my thoughts on on x's and o's y'all have that domain i'm going to base it on um, raw motion because that's something that obviously you can't calculate they went into the half having conceded two goals, knowing that, you know what, we're beyond fortunate to be in this situation right now. We're playing in front of our supporters. There was this element of silence, an eerie situation. We played so many games, but we're about to have a three-week break. I think they just locked it up. After Brian scored his goal in the 47th minute, which, by the way, awesome passing by Poncho to Sifu to Brian. That was a hell of a maneuver. JT Marcinkowski did not have a shot at saving that. I think it gave not only the supporters, but the team a, a breath of fresh air and a sigh of relief. At that point, LAFC was firing on all cylinders. I took a look at the notes that I took during the game, which I will tip, I will, I will pat myself on the back. They're very diligent. I didn't really see too many things that San Jose did after the 47th minute. It was generally an, an LAFC situation, whether it be Mahala doing his thing, a pass here. I rarely saw anything that I put in my notes, San Jose performance. So they just locked it up, and I felt that they rode the emotion of being fatigued and battered. They found that 12th gear, whatever the case may be, as a result of the 12th man, mind mm -hmm. you. And they came out and won the game. I think at that point, raw emotion kind of took over from where uh, the, the body was. The mind is a lot stronger than the body can be, and I feel like that's essentially what happened today um, or yesterday, rather. We kind of we kind of talked about that as well. Like the mental side was going to be the more important part than the tactical side because we just needed to get over the line. Mm -hmm. But Joseph Rodriguez um, is is asking, is there going to be a segment on Acosta today? Curious of the panel's thoughts. I mean. I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you, you love guys Kellen go Acosta. because I want to see where you guys go with this. Mm -hmm. Like, because I've I've seen some people have some yeah it depends some on criticism, some questions. Yeah. You know, so what do you think? I, I think my keeping it tight and concise thing on Kellen Acosta is let him play in midfield. Yeah, he hasn't gotten a chance to really yeah. just play in midfield, <laughs> and uh, I, I would give him credit the amount of jobs he's having to do, whether it's as a fullback or a wingback. Um, he's incredibly important to this team in the ability to cover ground. Uh, the way that he works in the buildup, I think we've seen Ilya struggle when he's had the only man in the buildup because mm. Latif Sifu can't really help the same way that Kellen can. But it seems like every time we get Kellen in that spot, he then has to be moved because somebody gets injured. So I would just hope 
hope and pray that Kellen will get a long run out in a 4-3-3 midfield and we will really start to reap the benefits because when he is able to kind of sit in next to Ilya uh, and then make his choices on when he gets forward, it makes Sifu better, it makes the front three better, the cohesion better. There's just a lot to like about that. So that's that's how I feel uh, about Kellen Acosta without getting actually prompted with a, a question. That's that's my general take. I, I mean, here, here, I completely agree with you. I mean, he, we've had to have several players play that Swiss Army knife to Andres Franco's point. A lot of players playing out of position. Why? Because we're beat up and depleted. We have three weeks right now where our players can regain some of their composure back, come through, and you know what? Kellen Acosta in his natural position is going to be a threat. He's a U.S. men's international player, and he's done so for so many games for yeah, a reason. No break for Kellen. No break for Kellen whatsoever, but you know, like once we get back to a full formation where everybody's healthy, I think I expect good things. And by the way, Andres Franco, I don't like saying Abobasi uh, or Ebabisi, but I'm auditioning because the guy who was announcing the game couldn't get Arango's name right or Craig Poe's name right or Ebabisi's name right, so I just wanted to have the practice of giving their names correctly because maybe I'm auditioning for a role with TUDN <laughs> or Twitter. Is it Arango like a chameleon? Arango, Chicho Arango. Good movie. <laughs> okay, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, <laughs> okay. um, just a reminder, you guys, that um, Angels Wears, Wears Boots is back today on the 110 Football YouTube channel at 4 p.m. Yeah, so me, Megan, Lauren, and Sarah are going to be talking about Angel City's loss to Gotham FC. So it should be an interesting show, but nevertheless, it'll be entertaining. So make sure you guys are here at 4 p.m. after this show. And also make sure you like this show and subscribe to the channel so you never miss out on another one. They better be. You sacrificed your holiday you to guys, do two I, shows. This is what I want to be doing. I'm not yep. sacrificing. I'm living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Jess. This we're is to, work. This is fun. Yeah, we're trying to pump I you up. I was, driving over, <laughs> I was yeah. driving over here like, do, 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 do. Well, <laughs> Jessica, you are very professional. I'll, I'll just say it right up front. I don't. I want to be celebrating my holiday. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood. Uh, they, well, that's why I came dressed. Celebrating that's why I look, that's why I look that's, silly that's and I have sunglasses on. Look, at this point, Angels Wear Boots has surpassed Family Guy in terms of being my favorite show. So, again, make sure you follow and watch that show. Moving right along, <laughs> let's move on to one of my favorite parts of the show, and that's the players ragging on each other. This <laughs> week, we asked the players who is most likely to ghost them in a group chat. Check out this week's Class of 22. Uh, Christian Torres for sure. Christian, I say Christian. Yeah. yeah, probably Christian Torres. Yeah, he's just a young kid doing who knows what, playing video games, and he'd probably just not respond. Tony, Leone, he just he'll, he'll look at your message and just leave you on red. Okay. Ah, Chiki, Chiki. 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 Sí, Chiki. ¿Ya te lo ha hecho? Siempre. Si Fuentes. Siempre es así. Siempre. Brian. Brian. Yeah, 100%. Brian. Brian. Se demora mucho. Eh, rayito. Brian. Increíble. No, ese soy yo. <laughs> ese sería yo. Porque nunca agarro el celular. Nunca estoy. Nunca estoy todo el día con el celular. He's a liar. I've seen Brian Rodriguez on his phone a lot, but I'll give him. I'll give him. That doesn't mean he's credit. not ghosting people. Yeah. yeah, he's just doing something else on his phone. <laughs> credit, credit to knowing himself and knowing that he's the one to do it. I'll, I'll just go ahead and out myself. I have every single one of my group chats on Do Not Disturb, so I'm the one too because I don't even see them. Oh well, yeah, I definitely have tons of messages that I haven't looked at. Sorry, guys. <laughs> 
do you wait, but do you leave them, uh, this was, I see some people's phones where their like text thing has like 200. Do you leave them like that? Cause I can't do that. That'll, well, I'll, I'll lose my yeah, mind. I do have it just like that, but I just, it doesn't bother me. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm OCD. How do you live? I'm OCD when I see numbers compiling on emails or texts, like I have to address them. It's the ADHD kicking in. I'm like, you know, doing something squirrel. Oh, let me check yeah. my phone. Like it, to me, it's just an excuse to not have to focus on my actual job. Well, what's horrible is I like I just need to clean off that number. I don't actually read that. I just go like, okay, I've done that. It's gone. <laughs> so, so is that, that why I've never hung out offset? So because you you ghost me and you don't read your text? Is that it? <laughs> it's been a while since we played this last game, and <laughs> considering we're, we've Outed. got a long two and a half weeks off before LFC travels to Seattle, it, it's not true. I love Philly, uh, Seattle. We thought, what better time than now to bring it back? Let's play tap in Merchant, everyone, and that's actually a chance for everyone to see my handwriting again because the old whiteboards are back. So basically, we won't be reading it. There you go. Um, I've I've worked on it. I'm working. Right. I'm working hard on it. So, so for, for the co-host who hasn't been on as much, uh, you'd have to remind me and the viewers. Yeah. So Chapin Merchant. So basically, this is uh, our version of Mad Lips. Uh, the producer will give us something. It'll be blah blah blah, and then kind of fill in the blank. So you, it's one word or a phrase. Try to keep it concise, mm. but let's have fun with it. Let's. So let's get our family get friendly our first, though, right? Uh, always. Fair enough. You get one curse word per show. You know the rules. <laughs> yes, it's in my contract. Okay. Let's let's go to that first topic. Let's see what we got here from our producers. Sprinkle it on there. Okay. The international break will most benefit blank. Uh, okay. Okay. Hold, wait, 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 wait. One, two, only one three, answer. go. Vela, your liver, Eddie Segura. So you guys pick players. We're all along the same line. I put the performance staff in general. Oh my gosh. Like, I just what need a break, this, guys. What, what kind of answer is that? <laughs> no, because think, think how hard the performance staff has been working behind the scenes to keep these guys fit. Sure. Like, get them to the point where it's like, Steve's like, hey, man, I need bodies. So, can this guy go 25 minutes? Okay, hold on. Let's see if we can bandage him up for 25 minutes. They're probably just like, you guys are all back? Great. And they're going to just, maybe they'll get a chance to sit in those hot and cold pools and just relax for a second. Yo, Vince, I'm like right by you and I'm barely able to read your handwriting. I can't imagine anybody watching the screen can I don't, see performance I don't write. on your whiteboard, brother. Okay, well, I, I can speak it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Jeez. What, I don't get a chance to say me? Okay. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, I chose Carlos Vela because. I mean, he's made out of glass at the moment. Like, he's, oh, I, I disagree. I mean, hey, is anybody really going to come for me for that take? Like, let's be real. The guy definitely needs some rest. Um, he needs to rest his, all his muscles and just relax. Just don't even walk. Like, whatever you have to do, because we, we are going to need him at the back end of the season. So, yeah, I think Vela is an easy answer. I mean, he's getting injured so often. Hot take. No. Okay, moving on. It was a lukewarm take. It was lukewarm. Lukewarm take at best. Lukewarm. But not not wrong. All right, here's the next one. LFC's most pressing need is at blank. Mm. Where do I begin? Mm. Yeah, how do I put this without? <laughs> how do I put this concisely? Is that uh is, uh my writing is awful. Hurry up. Three, two, one, Philly, go. I didn't get to finish. I don't, what did I write? Oh. Yeah, what did you write? So, all right, my bottom one is going to say Max Bredos calling more games. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I feel like we need. And then uh, a third DP, uh, a.k.a. a forward. That's what I have. 
The Maybe. top end. Yeah, but the top end, I mean. Sounds like a bar. Specifically, the, the highest reaches of your roster, which is kind of your DP. I think LAFC's roster from top to bottom, like if we just put out the DPs for a second, it's the most talented roster mm -hmm. in terms of the way it's constructed and the depth uh, and the talent, uh, like I said, in that depth. But what year in and year out as of late has been the fact that we can't get even three DPs on the field, <laughs> and let alone when they're all on the field, they all contribute. So you just need that. You just, in MLS, you have to have like at least two and a half of your DPs performing at a high, high level. And then even honestly beyond that, you need to have a TAM guy that basically should be almost on a DP contract. Yeah. Craig Griffin is saying leadership is the most pressing need, leadership on the field. That might have something to do with, you know, not feeling like players are stepping up at the right times. Um, I think we have enough leadership, though. I think, like, the likes yeah, of Ibiaga Ilya Sanchez, and Ilya, Hollingshead have stepped up. Or Ilya Ibiaga, uh, Kellen Acosta. I think there's a lot. Maybe you don't see it outwardly, um, but, you know, when you see the changes at halftime and the things that go on, that's a very collaborative process. So I think there's a lot of leadership. Just, you know, not executing isn't a lack of eater, leadership, per se. Mm -hmm. All right, let's, let's move on to topic number three. When Segura's match fit, the CB pairing is. Ooh. Oh. Let's spice it up. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yes. What do we got? Eddie and Murray, Fallen Eddie. I'm going. Oh! I'm going. Are you off. letting the cat out of the bag right no, there? No, I'm not making an announcement here. But where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, uh, things are going on. I just, I'm just saying. If, definitely if, smoking. If MLS Cup was, you know, let's we we're in MLS Cup and I'm picking the center back pairing. This is the center back pairing I'm picking for MLS Cup. Yeah. So I think we're doing like Murray dirty, to be honest. Like, he's been really good this season. I know he has a yellow card or two in him, you know? <laughs> Bad foul. So does Mamadou fall? Actually, but, it seems like the whole team does. But I think, a lot of yellow cards. I think Murray has been really good, and him and Eddie Segura have the right, you got a ball-playing leader, and then you have your crunching tackle guy. You know, I think that's the best balance. I, don't, I, I think... I think we need to be careful in having to rely so much on Steady Eddie. It was awesome to see him warming up. He's no doubt chomping at the bit, but we can't expect this guy to perform miracles right off the bat. But mm -hmm. once he's fully ready to go, a full 90 minutes, I think he obviously has his starting spot back. But I like Mamadou Fall for a couple of reasons. He's young, he's talented, and at the same time, I feel like he is a player that down the road LAFC can get an awful lot of bang for their buck in selling. Uh, selling into the open market. I love Jesus David Marino, but he's he's a walking yellow card making you shit. Hey. Obviously, Mamadou Fall. But so is Mamadou right Fall. He got but suspended first. in my first. opinion, there's more upside with Mamadou oh, Fall I, than I there is. I feel like somebody, somebody might saying. be talking about this during their story. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Mamadou Fall a little bit later. Uh, I agree with you. He's, he's got a huge upside. Um, but I would say Jess is right. A lot of people have been slandering Murray. And honestly, Murray's probably been the most consistent of all the center backs that have played so bloop. far this year. So. <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. Just gonna say it. Just gonna say it. All right. Do we have one more? One more. Oh Here boy. We go. Oh boy. Oh boy. Extending Carlos Vela would be a blank move. Oh, already erasing. <laughs> okay. Carlos Vela, who has been rumored to have already signed a contract, but he himself has said, "I have not signed anything yet." 
Um, so that, I don't know, that seems kind of weird. Um, but are you ready to over there? Okay, three, two, one. Obvious or bold. <laughs> Good-ish. Good-ish. <laughs> I, I just put correct. I'm, well, I'm already, on, I'm already on record before, you know, weeks and weeks ago saying that John Thornton needs to do this to show to other players going forward, this is the way you treat your, your cornerstone and your centerpiece. Yes, he's been injured. I get that. But still on his day, and, and that was what was so sad about that Galaxy game was he was starting to cook, and he was starting to really do some things, some Vela-like things outside the boot, you know, 40-yard ball to Chicho. He's still Carlos Vela. I mean, everyone's talking about how well Seattle's done, and they've got Nico Ladero, who is also just as injured. Yeah. Uh, but he is such a catalyst to this team and so important to this team. So that's why I think that you got you just got to do right by Carlos Vela. I think it's a, a I mean, I love Carlos Vela, so of course I want him to stay. Like, there's no reason for him really. I don't think we'll talk about this later during my stoppage time. Yeah. It's good-ish under certain circumstances. I mean, I, I think it's obvious, and, and to your point, I think it's important that we do need to set, to your point, the precedent that uh, we treat our star players the correct way. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we want Carlos Vela back. To me, like, it's a matter of what's going to happen versus an opinion, facts versus logic, feeling versus reality. And so, to me, he's going to sign and he's going to come back, and hopefully that's going to change his level of play. Look, Carlos Vela, again, when he wants to do things, he's the best player in Major League Soccer, one of the greatest players this league has ever seen. But to me, why I would say bold on the other end of the equation is as follows. I feel like you have a contrasting difference between the old guard and the new guard. We've got the Bryans and the Chichos of the world versus the Latifs and the Carloses of the world. This team is moving in a different direction. The old guard didn't get it done. The new guard is chomping at the bit to get it done. So to me, it obviously is going to happen, but I still feel like this team could fire and click better on all cylinders without Carlos Vela. I said this on the post game last time, uh, and, I, and, I, and I stand firmly with it. I love Carlos Vela for what he's done. Yeah. For what, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, he leads the team in goals with, with six, but I still feel like the younger guys feel like it's more their team when he's not on the pitch, and I feel like it, it's a distraction when he's on there kind of going through the motions. But if he comes into work with a smile on his face every day, like Steve Trundolo said, that's a good thing. Well, one of the quirks of the DP, you know, mechanism in MLS and something that I never quite understand when people are like, he's making so much money. It's not your money. It doesn't actually raise ticket prices. It's what the owners are willing to pay him. And then the other side of it is it doesn't actually count against the cap in yeah, the way that you correct. think it does. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you don't want to waste DP slots. And I don't think they would with Carlos Vela. But the money aspect of it is always weirds me out because the mechanism is there to allow you to spend money without it hurting your cap. Jess is like, just let me <laughs> let me. Spit the fire later. Okay, you, you've got hot takes on that. Uh, folks, the chat's been fired up. We've got a lot of really good, uh, a lot of really good banter going on right now. And here's your opportunity to challenge us, ask us questions. We've seen a lot of things. What's on your mind? Now's the time to go through your fun segment, the Q&A. Make your voices heard. Let Vince LaRosa answer the tough questions. Let me have fun watching Vince sweat under the bright lights. Let Jess do the X's and O's. Give us those Q&As. Let's start right now. Uh, let's see, Andres wants an update on Cheeky. It was a head injury. So I think that was one of those things where they just want to keep in a too quick of a turnaround. Uh, you don't want them right back into action with a, with a head injury like that. And I, I mean, we don't know for sure, but I would venture to say he probably had a concussion. Yeah. Uh, so you definitely don't want him to put him in there uh, right away. And then just quick update on Chiellini. As I said, there's smoke, there's fire. So there you go. <laughs> hint, hint, that's, nudge, that's, nudge. That's going to be a very interesting um, situation. when if and when it comes about. Uh, Chris 
asked the question, who breaks out after the break? Um, I, I think whoever, I guess if he's fit, which I'm sure he will be because most people are supposed to be fit when they mm -hmm. come back, would be uh, Tajori Shroudy. I think we need something different up top. And every time that I saw him play, albeit a small sample size, mm -hmm. I thought he was bright. I thought he had something to add there. So yep. I'm going to put him as my player to break out in the second half of the season. Maybe not necessarily a starter, but somebody that can come off the bench and do damage. Mm -hmm. I've, I already alluded to it. Mine would be Kellen Acosta. If everyone's fit and he gets to play in midfield week in and week out, then he, we will start to see the quality of player that he is. Um, I just kind of wanted to make a funny comment towards you. The one thing, if we, where there's smoke, where there's fire, where there's Chiellini, the one thing we won't have to worry about, I'm saying this to you, and Scarf, we don't have to worry about him going on international duty this year. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to do that. Had, I had to bait our producer. <laughs> had to bait Vince, and I had to bait the scarf. How dare you? <laughs> uh, let's see. This is me having fun. Uh, I like this just because Max Max Bredos had have put market down because uh, uh, Atlas are by Campiones uh, after 70 years of not winning a title, they went back to back. Uh, and Powell is saying Atlas versus LAFC in the Concacaf Champions League finals. Max Bredos has already said market down, put it on T-shirts. So Max is calling it. Although I will say Max is known for a jinx or two. Oh, uh, but I would love to see it. Uh, you know, congrats to Atlas. But if you're looking ahead and you're starting to see the teams that are winning and going into the CONCACAF Champions League from Mexico, you have to say that MLS very much has another shot to go back to back. And that would be huge for all those people that are like, why are you cheering for Seattle? I'm not cheering for Seattle. But you do want MLS to get over in this competition. And, and what if they do it two years in a row? Not Seattle, but MLS two years yeah. in a row. Then, then it's really a thing. So very interesting um, yeah. from that. Luis Reyes asks a really good question, and obviously we'd have to pose that to Vince. How do the short-term deals with Chrysostomo, Chrysostomo? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is it? Chrysostomo. Thank you. How does that work? Is it going to be per game? Can they sign other lights players to short-term contracts? Enlighten us on that. Yes, they can when you have this amount of injuries, and as long as you have a spot to put him in on the 30-man roster, which they do, especially when there's injuries and you move guys around, uh, you can sign them, and usually it's not games per se, but you're looking at games. You say, like, it's, it's kind of like the NBA. It's a 10-day con contract, and in those 10 days, we'll have three games or something like that. So, yes, you can do that with other Lights players. It's just a matter of, again, having the spot. Um, they have that spot. Generally, teams don't want to, though, because it's kind of it's tough for the player yeah. to, 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 un to come in just for a little bit, to know that they're going back. Uh, so I, I wouldn't see it happening more often, but... Christosimo especially is a player that kind of understands his role. Uh, Steve works well with him, so I think he's somebody that you can actually trust to not get too high or too low uh, in, in his little stint with LAFC. Right, right. Uh, the drips bought online. Can't, otherwise, we can't really reveal. Uh, this is Victor Romero's question. We, we, we can't, you know, we'd like to give a shout-out to the people that, that clothe all of us, but, you know, we have to keep it a secret as well. Amazon.com. Moving right along there. Oh, Jess is going to tell us who won players to watch. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, we did have winners for players to watch, but um, yeah, yes, we what? did. No, there was a winner. It's this guy. <laughs> yeah, but this it, guy it wasn't Scarf. anybody outside of you know Vince and. Yeah, if you guys want to complain because you're not getting the signed hat, send the complaints this way. I won. Finally, it's about time. We've been giving away too many autograph things, but I will say this: for those, a lot of you tied with us. So myself and Scarf had Brian Rodriguez, Jeremy Abobasi, not. Not mind-blowing. We didn't make some kind of crazy pick, and that's one. one. There's three other people as well. Uh, Psycho EST, Charmander Chang, and it's Jacob underscore H7. I think I said that right. You guys' names are fantastic, by the way. But you all tied with us. 
And so if you're watching this show, I'll only say this once, <laughs> DM us and we will send you something. You will not win the signed hat, but you will get some kind of 110 football prize. But we're not going to say it again. We're not going to put it out there. You just got to have to be watching that show. So hopefully they work. Thinking the Wicked says it's rigged. <laughs> if it Never was rigged, I would have walked home with a hat multiple times. <laughs> Can't be rigged because we put all, we put our um, choices on the show yeah. for all of you to see. Then Danny even tweets them out for all of you to see. <laughs> and it's just MLS scoring rule. So look, Brian Rodriguez, goal and assist. Jeremy Bobasi, two goals. Who else could have possibly beaten that? There we go. All right. It's time for stoppage time. <laughs> I'm really excited for this because Jessica's got a very hot take. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, come on. I just like to set you up for it. Uh, Sabre time is our chance to talk about anything that's really on our minds. In, in Jessica's uh, case, it's to give a hot take. So, <laughs> Jessica, you're up first. Um, it's not hot, you guys. It's it's lukewarm <laughs> or warm. But the way you're going to present it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about Carlos Vela and just the way that I feel like the fan base, um, the LAFC fan base, and really, I don't know if the club feels this way. I, I don't, I'm not sure. But just in general, I feel like we tip ar- tiptoe around the conversation about Carlos Vela. And I have seen in the chat that some of you guys have really just put it out there that he really hasn't been performing to the level that I think we expected him to over the last three seasons. And a lot of that is ha- has been because of injuries and things like that. But ultimately, when you have your star guy, your franchise player, they need to be available and they need to be putting points on the board. And I feel like with the open DP spot and the disjointed attack for LAFC, the person that comes in has got to be somebody that's going to be a franchise player type of guy. It has to be somebody that's going to play really well with Chicho and Brian Rodriguez because like Philly has already kind of said, they're the future. And that doesn't mean that you have to get rid of Carlos Vela. It just means you have to plan beyond Carlos Vela. So I'm hoping that the club does that because it just feels like a lot of what we do is based around him being available. And as we saw with, you know, the game against the Galaxy, once he went off the, off the pitch, that was pretty much it. It just kind of everything dissipated and we need to plan beyond him. I think Chicho Arango and Brian Rodriguez have everything within their power to be very big players in this team. But you still need to bring in somebody else that can bear the burden of this big club. And so for me, um, we got a plan beyond Carlos Vela. That doesn't mean I, I don't love him. The reason why I followed LAFC is not only because I'm from LA, but because he used to play for Arsenal, which is my favorite club. So it's not that I don't love him, but like at some point you have to plan beyond the guy. And yeah, them injuries, they're starting to stack up and we're not getting much be like out of him at this point. Still think, it's, still think it's a hot take. Hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> Uh, we're not doing questions and answers anymore, but uh, Adrian asked, when does the youth get a chance? And that kind of plays into my sabbat time. LAFC is top of the table. Uh, youth doesn't get a chance. You have to take your chances. Mm. You earn it and you contribute because we don't have time uh, for guys to be passengers. And there's one guy in particular that I want to talk to right now. It's Mamadou Fall. Mamadou Fall is one of those youngsters. He's 19 years old, which is incredible to think. He's playing a high leverage position in a very tough league, a very physical league, but he's got all the components of a fantastic player and to Philly's point earlier in the show he is a guy that is one day going to go for big money I can almost guarantee that but rather right now he's struggling a bit because he's relying too much on his talent and physical abilities and not enough in terms of focus uh, and tactical nuance and just kind of knowing the game and for a center back uh, it's why we love Eddie honestly he he understands the game he can't he doesn't just apply his his gifts uh, he actually understands the game and is there one step ahead of those four so Mamadou has to take a, a step back for a second. I think in these next two weeks, maybe watch a lot of tape, really regroup and say to yourself, 
my gifts have gotten me so far. What is going to take me to the next level? And more importantly, what's going to keep me in the starting 11? Because as of right now, if I'm looking at this defense, he's the guy I'm dropping. Quite a few mistakes against the Galaxy. Another mistake against San Jose. Um, and I just worry that maybe he's bought in a little bit too much to all the things that we're saying about him. So if anyone knows best on how to talk to him in that instance, it's Steve Trundolo. He's the one that identified this player and moved him up to the first team. So I hope Steve has a chance to really sit with Mamadou and say, hey guy, <laughs> you're incredibly talented, but that's only going to take you so far. And in this league, it's a long season. You're going to get found out. One day, you will be a very important player, but it's time for you to learn a hard lesson uh, in these next couple weeks and come back even better. So Mamadou, I, I know you have it in you, uh, but it's going to hurt a little bit as you watch a couple of these uh, uh, videos in the next couple of weeks. Y'all know me as that very loud, uppity, unchill person on this panel. What are you so talking about? So coming from the most unchill guy who hails from the most unchill city in the United States, I'm telling y'all right now, chill out. Chill out, man. <laughs> Life is really, really nice. We are best in the West, best in MLS. We are 9-3-2. We are leading Major League Soccer in goal scored. I think we're second in terms of expected. People will argue that we haven't faced the tough and rough competition. We have had some games against some really good teams. But you know what? It's all good. We've done things with a depleted lineup. We've seen players step up. We've seen players come out, out of position. We've seen players become Swiss Army Knives. We get a three-week break right now to kick our feet back and rest on our laurels. Uh, this is a team that's going to get healthy. This is a team that's going to make some noise. We're coming out of this break going into Seattle. Then we're going to play the Red Bull, or as I like to call them, the New Jersey Energy Drinks, and FC Ribeye Steak, FC Dallas. Then we'll really see what kind of team we have, but we will do it with a fully restored lineup, healthy players, perhaps a 37-year-old international sensation from Italy. I don't know. Vince will spoil that for you, this way, that way. But to me, what I'm telling you all right now, get your barbecue on, get your beer on. It's Memorial Day. We're tops uh, on the chart. Let's all just chill. Sorry, I was trying to figure out if uh, what Scarf said is Mamadou took down a bunch of LAC stuff from his. He uh, did the other day. It was an interesting thing. He now only has three posts on his Instagram. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I don't know. This is the world we live in now where everyone looks at people's social media and goes like, I'm, something must be happening. Because remember, Carlos Vela deleted his Twitter and everyone thought, oh, it means he's never playing for LAFC again. I don't, I don't. It could be something. It could be absolutely nothing. <laughs> but Carlos again, Vela is a PR person. Mama Dufal doesn't. <laughs> well, and Carlos Vela is in his 30s. And Mama Dufal's 19. Yes. Yeah. So you remember how you were when you were 19. I was awesome. Then, uh... I you out of time, my shoe. <laughs> 19? I was awesome. That's, oh. that's how I was. And modest, clearly. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great uh, to be with you guys. It means a lot to us. If you're the kind of person who prefers, though, to listen to this content, or maybe you just can't make the live show, we'll post the audio to our podcast channel shortly after the show is over. Just search 110 Football wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're not done yet today at 110 Football. Angels Wear Boots airs in just a couple hours to break down the frustrating loss to Gotham yesterday. Jessica's pulling double duty, as I said. So, Please join her as well as Lauren Sesselman, Megan Reyes, and Sarah Gordon. You do not want to miss out. There's going to be a lot of interesting takes because that was a frustrating, yeah. difficult match. If I, you I like takes, wait. come back to Angel Oh, there's a fire is going to come back. <laughs> like okay. takes. Even if you don't like takes, come back because the show's friggin' awesome. Yes. Yeah. And I want to thank you guys again because, yes, this was a holiday and you guys really showed up. That chat was on fire. But we'll be taking a couple weeks off along with the league. So the next LFC 360 will be June 20th. Mark your calendars now. 
after hopefully what will be a big LAFC win in Seattle. And with that, I'm off to drink. I got to go. No. But the, but the <laughs> show the is wrapped. Uh, we're done. Like I said, Jessica is going to be coming back to do Angels Wear Boots. So please hang out with her because like you said, she's going to have the hot takes. Otherwise, you guys there. have been great. Philly looks fantastic as always. So do you. And we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Bye, guys. Hi, I'm Francisco Chinella, and you have to follow One Team Football.